Welcome to the NOI Podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. I'm your host, Brent Farkas. On this show, we do a deep dive into uncovering the keys to successfully investing in real estate. You will learn from industry rock stars and thought leaders specializing in large multifamily syndications to furnished short-term rentals and everything in between. Whether you are a seasoned investor operator looking to scale or a first-time investor looking to create passive income through real estate, this podcast is for you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you will be notified of future episodes. Let's get to it. All right, welcome back to the NOI podcast. My guest this week is Abel Pacheco. Abel is a commercial multifamily real estate investor, president, CEO, and principal of 5T Commercial Real Estate and founder and host of the Five Talents podcast. In under two years while working full-time, Abel grew his portfolio from eight doors to 800 doors, probably over 800 doors. Today, Abel helps investors build wealth, create amazing lifestyles, and invest in real estate without having to manage any properties. Welcome, Abel Pacheco. Hey, how's it going, Brent? Great, great. I really appreciate you being on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh man, it's our pleasure. So let's start with what I mentioned in back in 08 while working full-time in tech. Tell us a little bit about that process of having eight rental homes and then moving into commercial real estate. Yeah, well, let's see. I started as an IT tech uh, professional in, in the tech world for uh, 13 years and was with a company called Rackspace for a good 10 of those years. And uh, out of college, just went to, uh, I've always been a sales guy for the most part and just have been grinding it out, commission month over month, doing doing everything I can to, to earn. You know, from, from that standpoint, I realized the moment I stopped working, the commission stopped coming in as well. Yeah. So it took me a number of years to kind of get that and just have invested uh, into real estate since 08. So wow. it's been about 13 years, same, same amount of time as I was in tech as I have been investing in real estate uh, through the process. So just every single time I had a buck, I would try to invest it in real estate. Yeah. And that was the goal over and over and over again, right? Is uh, make my money work for me is the rich dad, poor dad book right. uh, that probably many others have, have mentioned along the way. And for me, it was no different. Uh, I wanted to figure out how to create uh, assets, income generating assets with as many, uh, whether it's, real estate properties or doors that I wanted to, to own. And that was the first part of it. And then after that, it was uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It took me 10 years to buy eight properties. Yeah. And it took me like under two to get invested in 800 doors. So I go well, eight to 800. <laughs> there was definitely something that was a, a big jump and a big leap for me in multifamily commercial real estate. And we started investing passively first. I directed my you know, 401k to my IRA. And then after that, I learned a little bit more about this, is what I want to do and uh, started leading deals as a general partner or co-sponsor in a number of deals. And today we're in six active deals and working on number seven, number eight. So excited. Man, great story. Very exciting. It's amazing how fast the difference between the eight residential versus over 800, you know, how fast it scaled. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It was uh Eye opening, and I really didn't. I had this limiting belief uh, that I couldn't do it. And I actually, read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I guess when it first kind of came out, and I read a follow up book, which is the ABCs of Real Estate Investing yes. by Ken McElroy. Oh, yeah. Right afterwards, and the reason I picked up that book was I go, okay, this talks about high level 
the ABCs of real estate investing will tell me how to get started. I'm going to go buy a house. I picked up this book and realized the whole thing was about buying commercial multifamily apartment complexes and buildings. And I told myself, I was 26, I go, I, I can't do that. There's no way that I'm going to find a deal and convince somebody to let me you know, buy it and then raise capital and millions of dollars. I barely have 5,000 bucks to my name. <laughs> so I, I put the 5,000 bucks into a single family house and I started buying single family houses for the next 10 years. I, I kind of placed this limiting factor on myself, on my knowledge and my abilities. And it wasn't until later that I saw a friend, somebody that I knew uh, working in tech with me. And I, I, I factored him in as a regular everyday average guy, hmm. just like me. And I finally said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Hmm. That's what started my multifamily stuff again. And it's been, it's been a journey. So was that then your journey started passively first? Yes. Okay. Tell me a little bit about making that leap to become an active investor. You know, what was the courage or what kind of helped you make that jump? Uh, ultimately, it was just being around other people that were doing what I wanted to be doing, mm -hmm. taking a lot of education. I went to a bunch of courses, a bunch of seminars, a bunch of boot camps, paid for mentor, paid for coaching, you know, and, and just accelerated my learning a little bit. Uh, it took that time not really to learn the content, but what happened was I was learning the content, but more importantly, I was seeing other people around me that were doing that. Mm -hmm. And that opened my eyes to, well, this really can be done. It's not just the one example of a friend that I knew, but here are a room full of hundreds of people that are all doing you know, <laughs> the same thing. And I'm, I'm hearing success after success after success. Yeah. And that's ultimately what said, hey, you can do this too, Abel. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You're, uh, I'm a faith guy, so I, yeah. I'm almost reminded of you can go hmm. do anything you you know you set your mind to. Get after it. And I said, okay, uh, it, I'm, I'm 38 at the time, so I wasn't yeah. a child. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I still had that mindset where I was like, oh, I guess I can do it, you know? And yeah. so- that's what led me. And it's so empowering, that knowledge, you know, going and learning to see others doing it, you know, and being active. One thing that I've picked up is you are fearful of something you don't understand or something you don't know, you don't have enough education, you're ignorant, right? Yeah. Uh, to, to whatever that, that new thing is. And if you have uh, competence in a subject, you gain more confidence. And the moment you have more confidence, then you can take action more easily and, and just kind of push forward, push past the fears so you're kind of overcome that fear with competence and confidence and you can keep moving forward. Yeah, that's great. You know, most people when they're considering real estate as their asset class to invest in, they might think, oh, great, more doors means more late night calls, more, you know, fixing toilets. But obviously investing in commercial multifamily, it's not that way. Talk a little bit about that as a passive investor. Yeah. Well, shoot, as a passive investor, you don't have to do anything. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Vet the deal, vet the team, vet the market. You do your work up front. You look at some legal docs, make sure that it is what it is you're, you're expecting. And your job is done up front mm -hmm. to determine whether I should put my money in the deal or not. Would you say vetting the operator or vetting the actual property more? Or both, I guess. Yeah, really, I'm a market guy and operator guy. And then I'll look at the deal. Yeah. Uh, if I like the market and I like the operator and the team doing the deal... Then I'm going to look at the individual uh, components of the property, but I won't start at the property before I know the market and the and the team leading it. Once that's done, though, it's a monthly 
yeah. a, a monthly notification to me telling me how we did. <laughs> and that's about it. There's no calls. There's no having to manage anything or having to run out to a property or anything like that, that I was having to do on my single family properties at that point. That's the beauty of the uh, passive investor, obviously. I saw a video you did. It was really, really cool. It was on LinkedIn, I think. You were talking about the uh, ability to increase the net operating income by creating extra value through the, uh, the covered parking spots. I loved mm-hmm. that. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people that are interested in real estate and specifically multifamily really understand that it's run like a business and you can increase the value of the asset by increasing income on the asset itself. Tell me a little bit more about covered parking and increasing revenue from the asset. Yeah, I remember that video. It's a fun one. Uh, let's use uh, that example or any other that's going to give me an extra 20 to 30 bucks a month, which doesn't sound like a a crazy amount. Let's right. just use 20 bucks. Uh, the way you're forcing value on these deals, exactly like you mentioned, you're increasing the income or decreasing expenses. And in this example, anything that I can do like a private yard, a covered parking spot, a numbered spot, if you don't have the ability to cover it, <laughs> you just put your numbers out there. Uh, whatever you can do to eke out an extra 20 bucks a month. What happens is you take uh, $20 I'm going to pull out my calculator so I'm yeah, not that, wrong here. That's great. So 20 bucks, and if the building is 150 units, I would multiply $20 extra that I've gotten out of 150 if I could do that, right? So right. that's $3,000 extra income a month. Nothing else has changed except for the extra $3,000. Right. 3000 bucks is not a ton, but the power of, of number of doors and the way these properties are, are valued take 3000 bucks of NOI. Now I multiply that by 12 months. So I've essentially created $36,000 of new net operating income a year. And in that example, even that doesn't sound like a ton. It's just 36 grand. Well, I've invested millions of dollars into a deal. What value did that bring? The way you evaluate them as as an income stream, Hmm. we're buying income streams that look like apartment buildings. And this new asset created a new income stream of thirty-six thousand dollars for this, you know, this example. And uh, divide that by a cap rate that goes in your market. A cap rate is what people are willing to pay if they had all cash. How much return am I going to get? Let's just say it's a six cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would bring an extra six hundred thousand dollars of value <laughs> for that for that small income, you know, small income bump. Yeah. And, you know, I use a, a six cap, but right now things are super compressed. Right. So meaning that it's harder to find a deal. Cap rates are compressing. They're getting smaller. The, uh, the valuation on these properties are going up because mm-hmm. it's harder to find a good income stream or a good asset or a good stream of revenue that I can purchase with my money. So really, you know, in, in depending on what market, where I'm in, I'm in San Antonio, Texas, we used to be at a six or seven on a decent property. Now it feels like it's a five or, or people are running less. So if I divide that same 36 grand divided by a five cap, that's $720,000 hmm. of valuation. If you can find out some way to eke out another 30 bucks, and that might be saving every toilet may have a flapper that's really bad in that. And I replace those and, you know, now I'm saving 10 bucks a month on, on water and mm-hmm. maybe 10 bucks a month here. And it may be, 
half of the units have a private yard any which way how can i get the you know 30 dollars extra and we're not even talking about raising rents this is just other income right i love that the income streams that's a really great way to put it so that's what you'd call forced appreciation correct a hundred percent. I want to force it. I want to force it. <laughs> That's awesome. Go back to cap rates because a lot of people might not be familiar with the term, but is that from market to market and how often is that fluctuating? Is that determined by the brokers or just the market itself? No, it's it's really, uh, I think the market for more than not in every specific uh, sub market or market, whether I'm in, in a state, whether I say, oh, Texas mm-hmm. has a cap rate for a B or C or A building, whether mm-hmm. it's brand new or older. Okay. I can't use a broad generalization and say Texas cap rates are X, Y, or Z. I can say in general, California's are probably four or below, probably so are <laughs> New York's. Yeah. Texas's are a little higher. But in truth of it, it's it's down to like my specific neighborhood almost. Cause then I'm in San Antonio, Texas and in the south side versus the northwest side, you're going to have a different cap rate in one versus the other and, and a different cap rate for a 1980s vintage property with a flat roof versus a 1990 to 2010 property that's beautiful and it's nice and it's, it's, it's a gorgeous property and generates a lot of, uh, it's in the higher average median income area, which the cap rate will be uh, different than one versus the other. So, the cap rate, it's, it's kind of like the most popular measure, which mm-hmm. a lot of real estate investments, they're assessed, and it's based on the profitability and their return potential. Mm. So it's the amount of yield you're going to get. If, if I was an all-cash buyer, is the way I think about it, right. if it was a $10 million building and I had $10 million, I could buy the building without any debt and know that I'm going to get a 5% return on my money as the 5% cap rate. I will generate uh, or a 10% cap, which is probably uh, hard to find. Let's just say you found a 10 cap. That means on a $10 million deal, I'd get 10% of my 10 million bucks back. I get a million dollars of profit of every single year. And it would take me 10 years to pay this building off at a 10 cap. So it's the way to kind of measure how much yield am I going to get off of the investment that I put in? It's market driven, but also building class as well, right? Yeah. 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 And it's a, you know, the, your, your value of your property mm-hmm. is kind of also determined, Hey, is it a 1960s property or a 2010 property? And for the people that like the formulas or the mathematics, the capitalization rate or cap rate is the net operating income over the current market value of the property. Three of the, the components you're always looking for, NOI, the value, and the cap rate. If you have any two, you can figure out the other. So if somebody says, oh, I know the NOI, it's trading at a, a five cap, you know the price that they're asking or vice versa. Yeah. I know one of your desires is helping working professionals who are too busy to invest actively. Do you recommend them staying in the market they live in or obviously finding operators they like and trust, but should they stay specific to the market they're in? So it's a great question. I think there's a few different ways to look at it, right? Is I can invest in a market that I really want to be in. If I look at the market first and find operators or deal sponsors or general partners that are doing deals in that market. So that's a great way to say, I want to be in, I've, I've evaluated markets mm-hmm. and I've looked at San Antonio versus Dallas versus Houston, Texas. And I love Raleigh. 
I love Carolinas and I love Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I think these are my top markets. I can evaluate that by population growth, cost of living, supply and demand. I can look at these big market trends and say, oh, I like this market. I feel that it's going to be good in the next five to 10 years based off of the market mechanics in place today. Then I can say, oh, who's doing deals in that area? Let me network and find the operators that are going to do deals in that market. So that's kind of one way to look at it. Another route is starting with the operators first and then finding out which markets they're in. So it really depends on you and what you want to do and how you want to do it and your approach. I I think I got lucky in just being honest with my situation, (laughs) right? I feel like I live live in a great market and I've always been here. I've always invested in Texas and San Antonio. So the market was a no-brainer. It's my backyard. And then I happened to know somebody doing deals in my market as the person I already know, liked, and trust. Yeah. I trusted. I went to his wedding and hang out as my buddy. And you know, okay, you know that. Yeah. I could give somebody fifty k, and I know. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to run off with it. You're going to actually try to work it. So I got lucky there. But after that partner, it was really uh, I knew the market that I wanted to be in. I wanted to be in Texas, and hmm. uh, my network led me to other people doing deals in Texas. And now my my network is also leading me to other teams that are doing deals in good markets as well. And so kind of, uh, that's just honestly how I, I did it. So for anybody else that's listening, there's no wrong or right approach, just as long as you're looking at it with those, that lens is, do I like the market? Do I like the team? Have I vetted the team and the deal? And I feel good about it. You know, not, not every team is, is going to be, uh, amazing. Uh, just like not every deal is going to be a uh, flawless. Uh, but you know, the right combination of deal team and market, We'll say, yeah, chances are pretty good that we're going to have a good return on this. And, you know, everybody's got to take a risk somewhere. So just kind of depending on how you get there. Talk about acquiring these underperforming apartments. And we're talking about streams of income from these assets. Are those generally coming from like a class B or C property? Should a passive investor, if he's looking for class A, is that something that's not going to have these opportunities to increase the uh, the gain in the asset? You can eke them out in a couple of different ways. Okay. So I've typically been in the value add space. Mm-hmm. I would say not heavy or deep value add, as I've heard some others describe it. (laughs) Uh, I've never, as a general partner, I haven't bought an asset that was like 60% uh, stabilized or 60% occupied. It's always been 90s or above as a general partner. Now I've invested as a limited partner in a deeper value add where they took the occupancy down to like 50% and turned it around. And so that value add is one where Hey, there's some problems with that property, whether they didn't have enough money to do the capital improvements that are needed or the interior unit renovations, or there's deferred maintenance, like Mm -hmm. their water is always cold because their plumbing are messed up or whatever the case is, they have boilers and those went out and now people don't have hot water and they, whatever the case is, there's a problem with it, whether it's the property manager or the amount of money or the income, you, somebody needs to buy it and turn it around and put some extra money into the interior units, deferred maintenance, the improvements, start mm-hmm. marketing like crazy and go push the occupancy up mm-hmm. and increase those rents. That value add play mm. is a lot of times done on the B and C type mm-hmm. of property because they're older. They may not have been traded in a while and there's mm-hmm. just clearly work that needs to be done that requires capital and maybe there's an owner that just didn't have the capital to actually do it, right? So 
those are prime targets, but in the class A space, or uh, and and I haven't uh, I haven't bought a true A. One of our properties was a uh, mixed between an '80s property and a newer, I would say, class A uh, building. But it was a mixture of old and new, and they took a empty piece of land and and developed a new portion next to the old. We bought it as hmm. one big deal. Well, on that class A uh, type of property, you can apply the value add strategies like that the REITs are doing, the real estate investment trusts, and they are trying to figure out economies of scale on cable, Wi-Fi, and again, how, can I save $10 <laughs> <So> across right. <laughs> 300 units or 200 units? That works. They're also doing the, the green uh, initiatives like the water saving uh, flappers and you know that kind of stuff uh, uh, to save a little bit of utilities. But these are, let's say, across the board. Every apartment's going to need cable and Wi-Fi, and they're going to they're going to have uh, sinks and toilets, and there's a little bit of area to save some money. And then if you do those green improvements, potentially you you get a little bit extra from a, as a as a on the loan side, you get some green initiatives, and you save a little bit there. Hmm. And uh, maybe their internet presence is not great on an A they have a online rating below 50 or 60% because nobody's managing their social or there's no uh, nothing mm. on the internet or something like that to help uh, with their tenants, right? There's no good advertising. So it's just like anything else, a restaurant. Hey, it's a good restaurant. Is it five stars or three stars? Uh, <laughs> you know, Yelp says this got a very poor rating. They never even touch it. So if somebody's managing those things, that's a great way to push out 10, 20 bucks here and there on a higher, uh, higher class, class A property that may not be the value add, which is in a B or C value add, completely different, but I'm trying to do the same thing, yeah. increase uh, income or decrease expenses and, and try to figure out one way or the other. The ratio utility billing system, I think, Russ? System, I think, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're essentially saying- Hey, a portion of all the utilities, I'm going to push them back of the expense. I'm going to push it back to the to the tenants and the renters. And if they're okay with paying a portion of it, now where you as an owner may have been paying that, or the previous owner may have been paying it before, you buy it. Your plan is to push some of that over to them and uh, create a little bit extra income in that area too. Other properties in the area need to be doing that as well, right? It's a common thing to start. It's a common thing for a lot of people to look at. I think it's really your your comps. Yeah. Uh, okay. Who else is doing it in the area or what, what are they charging in the area? Cause I may say, yeah, you're going to pay for all my utilities and that might bring an extra $70 plus the $70 I was trying to raise rents. And now we're at 140. If our comps are doing something different and uh, our tenants start leaving because it's too high of a jump, then, you know, that maybe I don't push everything over to them. So it's going to be dependent just like you, anything else is if I do my interior unit renovation, I have to make sure my tenant base can actually afford that. Otherwise, I'm over-improving and people are leaving and it's going in the opposite direction. What I love that about multifamily is it's uh, dependent on how you improve the property and how well it's run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an expert. Uh, what I would say is I want to partner with this, the best experts possible. Some yeah. as literal partners on my team or right. others that we hire uh, individuals that, or companies and, and organizations that have years and years of experience in hmm. property management, in 
asset management in construction and renovation and all of the different avenues. If somebody's been doing something for 30 years, I don't have, I don't have 30 more years to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to, let's, let's plug, right. let's plug them in. And I've been reading this amazing book. I uh, just caught lately. It's called who not how. Um, huh. And uh, I would recommend anybody that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, yeah. trying to figure out how to do some of these deals. It's, it's really the who not the how you, you don't have to figure out how to do it yourself. You just need to know who can actually help yeah. you. And it's by Dan Sullivan. Okay. It really is a team sport, isn't it? This industry. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah. It just, and just like any other business, right? Cause people yeah. kind of, they think real estate and like myself, I thought real estate for 10 years prior was me and my partner was my wife. Hmm. We didn't raise capital. I didn't, you know, use any outside investors. We didn't have any other partners. I had a small real estate team. I had a, a broker that helped me find properties I had a lender that helped me get, you know, my loans funded and I was the landlord or property manager. And that was about it. I, th- I thought that that's how real estate was done as an yeah. individual. And then when I really look at the multifamily deals, my professional or corporate world actually helps me more, uh, in my opinion, than my 10 years of real estate uh, investing prior as an individual, because I, now it's a business. It's like, okay, how is this going to be run? How are we going to scale? It's people, processes, and systems. And if you can put a people, process, system together, the right ones, now you can scale and continue to do more using other people's time, knowledge, leverage, and uh, go go do bigger results. I like that. People, processes, and systems. Yeah, good one. It was an, That's good. It's an old, uh, that was a Rackspace thing that we that we, we preached on and, and they use that and I've always I've kept it. I would say you're an expert. I appreciate your time. And Hey man, thank you so, very much. I, yeah. Everybody's an expert in something and it just depends on <laughs> what uh, you catch me on. But uh, yeah, Brent, it's great, great talking to you, man. I'm happy to share. Thanks. A couple questions we do at the end of, of the podcast. I think you just answered the first one, but we usually ask what your favorite real estate book is currently. Now, I know you just said who, not how. Is it a real estate book? It's not specifically for real estate, but it's yeah. a great one. I would check that out. And, okay. and then the the one I just started reading was uh, The Hands-Off Investor by Brian Burke. And hmm. it, it it is shaping up to be a good read, uh, a great for passive investors to check out. Uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to have Brian on my podcast and he has a billion dollar portfolio. <laughs> so wow. I go, wow. okay. Uh, yeah. probably, there, there's somebody that's what I'd say an expert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me go learn from him. And there's his book. And I think it was a bigger pockets book. Um, so that's no, pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Okay. And now your favorite real estate investing tip. Take action, take, mm. uh, get some education, invest in yourself first. Do that. Once you've invested in education, you got to take action. Nothing happens without it. You're going to skin your knees. Something's going to go wrong expect it now. That's okay. The point is keep taking action, learn from the mistake or learn from the situation and figure out how to get it better, do better, and then keep taking action. So that's, that's my biggest advice there. It's, uh, you know, the, the more action that you take, <laughs> the, mm. the better chance of an opportunity you're going to have to make. And if you're going to bet on something or someone bet on yourself first and, uh, make yourself a better horse, uh, go yeah. get a lot of the education as much as possible and just keep moving forward. 
I love that. Yeah. Take action. You know, we were talking earlier about the uh, education and you getting as much education as you could. It, definitely a fear can keep you from uh, taking that action, you know, so and hold, holding you back to where you procrastinate and then never pull the trigger on it. Mm-hmm. And so emotions are high and, and then yeah. I don't use critical thinking and then, you know, I'm scared and it's hard to move forward. But uh, yeah, yeah, you just keep keep pushing forward. That's awesome. All right. Where can people find you? And what's the best place to reach out to you? The best place is my website. Uh, it'll take uh, you to some educational resources. We do webinars every couple of weeks. I've got videos on there. I've got all of our podcasts. We've interviewed about 100 other operators plus and uh, some really good content. I've got a book that we wrote uh, during the COVID. <laughs> so mm, it yes. helps me kind of get some thoughts out on paper. And uh, that is our website. It's www.5tcre.com, like the number 5tcre.com. And that'll take you to a number of different resources, forward slash ebook, forward slash education, forward slash invest, if anybody wants to set up a time and uh, talk with us about investing. So, yes, sir. Awesome. Well, Abel, you are an expert and kind for sharing your wisdom and knowledge today. And so we thank you for that and just uh, serving the investment community. So thanks for being on. I commend what you're doing as well, Brent, because this is an opportunity for you to learn, but also share with others. And which is is so awesome. It's going to expand your network and anybody that's following Brent, uh, I would say subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to his show, try to get in his world because he's going to lead you to a lot of different spots with great educational resources. I know it. Reach out to him. You need to get in his world. Thanks, Abel. Yep. Taking action, right? That's the goal. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. That concludes this episode of the NOI Podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to bringing you more great content. Till then, happy investing.